Welcome to this week's episode of Autism Hope in Action. My name is Ashton and I'll be your host. We're thrilled to have Tracy Hinchold with us this week. Tracy is the Event and Development Manager at Taka and her story is sure to inspire you to never give up and to surround yourself with like-minded people throughout your journey. We had a great time talking about her journey and she shared some practical steps for starting your own autism journey. One thing Tracy has been working hard on is the Taka Picnic held in Orange County each year. If you're in the area, please be sure to check out the details online at takanow.org backslash events. And for families not in Orange County, look at the chapter's pages to find events going on in your local area. Well, let's listen into my conversation with Tracy. Get ready to laugh and take some notes. Enjoy. Okay, well, Tracy, thanks so much for joining us today and taking a little time out of your day to share with our listeners just a little bit about you and a little bit about your story and hopefully encourage them a little bit. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Let's start off by you just sharing a little bit about your story and your background and how maybe you ended up as part of Taka. Uh, Sure. I am a mother of a 21-year-old college student, and uh, my son was diagnosed with autism actually uh, 15 years ago this month. I just realized that in in prepping for today. And he was diagnosed at the age of six. Kind of people always ask me when when they hear um, six years old, oh, he must be very high functioning. Well, Matthew was diagnosed in a time when um, it was really difficult to get an autism diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So really problems started much earlier than that. And we, for three years, sought answers for Matthew's medical issues and and silence, I like to say, because he didn't really talk a whole lot. He was pretty nonverbal. He was diagnosed a speech delay at three. That was kind of our intro into there's something not right. And then once he hit kindergarten, the gap was blaring uh, between Mm -hmm. my son and the other children. And that's when we got a, a moderate, they called it moderately autistic, the official diagnosis when we got it. So that was April of 2001. And that's kind of how we got into autism, obviously, uh, which was was not, there wasn't as much in your face as there is today, and there weren't very many answers out there. So I ended up finding Taka about a year later, about a year wow. into his diagnosis. We found Taka through a behavioral therapist. She was, wow. um, she was like, you know, you really need to find support with this organization. And so I went to my first TACA meeting and met um, this wonderful group of parents. And I met Lisa Ackerman. And that was the first kind of delve into there's there's hope. And Mm -hmm. then we our kids can get better. Uh, My son from the time he was about 18 months until he was seven or eight had chronic gastrointestinal issues, projectile vomiting, ear, nose, throat issues, fevers, dark circles. He was just sick all the time. Taka was the first organization to say that it's not okay to think, oh, your child has autism and this this just comes with the territory, that there are are alternative, there's treatments out there and there's diets that can help. I want to say the second Taka event I went to, which happened to just fall a week later, was GFCF cooking class. 
And so I went and it was, it was very large and I learned all about pulling gluten and dairy out of uh, my son's diet. And uh, my doctor said, well, I think you're crazy, but it won't hurt him. So if that's what you want to do, go for it. So we did. And Talk about a Kickstarter. Right. <laughs> right. It was a great way to start. I, I honestly thought I was a little crazy too, but um, my son was, you know, he looked like those starving children commercials where they have the really skinny limbs and then mm-hmm. the, the bloated distended belly. Mm-hmm. And so we took, and I, I did it, I did it cold turkey. I did it the way they, they wow. tell you not to do it. Within a couple of weeks, Matt's belly was flat. And he started to sleep, you know, better. And the, the chronic gastro issues kind of started to slowly dissipate. So I was like, wow, there's something really with this. And, and we kind of, you know, just started digging a little bit more and more. So um, that's a little bit about Matt. And so he's 21 now. And can you tell us a little bit about where he is now and, and kind of what that journey looks like for you guys? Okay, so Matthew is 21. He is he's kind of an older freshman. He is going to Northern Arizona University. I dropped him off this fall at the dorms. Far away. He is far away. This is um this was the child they told me uh, when the regional center came in and did our um, in home assessment because I asked, will he grow out of this? I, I really was mm. I was really oblivious at that point in my, in my, my autism journey. That's an honest uh, question though. Yeah. I said, will he grow out of this? And she said, Oh, sweetie. And I remember her holding my hand and saying, no, your boy will always be with you. He will always need your help. He will never live on his own. That was my kind of look into the future when Matt was six. That's, that's what they were telling me. And then, um, today, Matthew lives on his own. He's, uh, well, with a, with a roommate in a dorm and a normal, crazy, loud, um, <laughs> dirt, dirty <laughs> college dorm at Northern Arizona University. And he, he's kind of just living the typical college life of, you know, studying, uh, hanging out with friends and even partying a little on the weekends from what I understand. Yeah. Um, to get here, uh, obviously it took a a lot of hard work, mostly on Mm -hmm. Matthew's part. I always like to say, I always like to tell Mm -hmm. people really all the credit goes to my, to my very determined child who, you know, who just worked so hard to get where he's at today. Um, I will be honest, I wasn't sure we'd be here, but, uh, we are, (laughs) Wow, we're super excited and, and yeah, it was, you know, it was a lot of work and a lot of dedication by a lot of people in our lives, um, that helped us along the way. It sounds like he really became almost a self-advocate. Definitely, definitely. And there was a lot of, um, training that, that went along with that. And, yeah. and he still struggles, struggles with it a little bit, but you know, we were just remind him like, you know, if, if it's what you want, if you want it bad enough, only you can make that happen. And he understands mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And there's times when he says, I don't know if I want it that bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, so, and you know, what's interesting yeah. is we all have different challenges in life, but I love that he has taken his challenge and he's said, 
I, this is, these are things that I want. These are things that I want to achieve. This is how I want to feel about my life. And I'm going to take what my parents have given me, what the people around me have given me, and I'm going to try and make this work. Definitely. That's and, exactly and, what he's done. And really like, isn't that every parent's dream? And that's what everybody deals with on some level. But it's just like this thing that you thought you could never overcome. He defied the odds. Yeah. I, you know, every parent has that empty nest mm-hmm. syndrome where they're like, oh, my gosh. And the worry of just dropping <laughs> your, your kid off for the first time and saying, okay, I'm not, I'll see you in a couple months. You know, I was very torn with um, being sad and just the pure joy of saying, wow, wow. we're here, you know. Um, and I've when you're an autism parent there's a lot of um what ifs Mm -hmm. and I just kept telling my husband what if what if he can't handle the workload what if it's too Mm -hmm. loud in the dorms what if you know and what if he can't make it and he was like just stop you know like we're here he's here um Mm -hmm. and do you know how many uh parents of freshman children go and have to pick up their kid because they couldn't they just weren't ready. They weren't Mm. ready. Um, they decided, you know, the, the keg party on the weekend was more important than school. Um, he was like, if, if he goes and he hates it, he's no different than any other freshman starting off in college that, you know, like this is the place you want to be. So we're, that was good advice. He was. And I kind of had, <laughs> I know I had to, my husband is kind of the voice of reason and I had to kind of just let it go and say, well, we'll see how it goes. And it's gone. It's gone pretty well. You know, he's doing pretty good. Well, so. you have, okay. So Matthew's a little bit older. I, yes. I have talked to a couple of parents who have older kids. Um, a lot of times when you do have a child who's older, who's doing so well, many parents kind of fall off from the community. They kind of honestly go and just do regular life again. What's mm-hmm. kept you motivated to stay in the community after all of this? This is a hard question because I struggle with this a little bit because I've been around Taco for a long time and those exact parents you're talking about. And I'm like, wow, you know, why aren't, why aren't they still kind of connected? I can only speak of my experience. And when Matt was born, um, I was pretty young. I was 21 when I had him and I was a single parent for the first three years of his life. So, um, 21 year old single parent, uh, relied a lot on family, friends, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even coworkers. And I come from the thought process of it takes a village. Mm. I believed that before I found Taka. And then when I found Taka, it just, you found your village. I found my village and not just with Taka in, you know, um, speech therapists, uh, teachers, you know, behavioral therapists. It was like, there's this community of people that are just working so hard to see your child succeed. And the parents, that I met with Taka, everybody's celebrating together. And so that taking a village really became even more true for my life and for Matthew's life. I I tell people that all the time. 
I now see myself as part of the autism village. And mm. I feel like, you know, even though Matthew is pretty much living on his own, I mean, of course we help him, you know, financially and all that, but he's, he's living his own life, doing his own thing away at school. Um, I feel like it's my job, my duty, mm-hmm. um, and it's in my heart to give back, mm-hmm. to be a village for those those new parents that need the help I needed when mm-hmm. I when I first heard those words, your child will never leave you. He will mm-hmm. always need you. So I really encourage anybody listening to this who maybe is looking at autism in the rearview mirror mm-hmm. um, to kind of come back and, and help these new parents that are getting this diagnosis with Mm. their kids, because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and with the increase in prevalence, Mm -hmm. there are so, and, and I'll be honest with you. So I'm in my early thirties, like it's my generation Mm -hmm. that are the young moms who are getting that, who are being sat down and being told those same words. And I can't imagine a world where if that were something that were to happen to one of my sisters or myself, where I wouldn't have a village or I wouldn't have people who would be able to look at me with confidence and say, you can do this. So I agree with you. Anybody listening who's looking in that rearview mirror, um, find some ways to get back connected, even if it's every now and then. You know, Taka has a mentorship program where you can mentor younger families. Um, become a mentor and, and just give in that way, if that's all you can do, um, or support, you know, Taka from a financial standpoint or whatever. It's just important. So for you, as you were kind of in the throes of it all, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, okay. I hear Tracy talking, man, she made it so far. Um, what are some things that maybe you could just encourage that really helped you you referenced speech and a couple of other things. It sounds like those are kind of key, were key components, the GFCF diet, things like that. What were some things that really helped you? You know, it was definitely a mixed bag, but I, I mean, we did a lot of the traditional therapies that physician or neurologist or whatever will recommend. So a lot of speech, a lot of OT occupational therapy was a big thing for Matt. He had issues with knowing where his body was in space and balance and, and a lot of behaviors were based on that, um, the diet. And then the other thing that we really focused on that sometimes I think is missed is um, social skills training, especially not so much this now. I think people understand it a little bit now, but back then um, social skills training was kind of a new thing. We had Matt in a lot of social play groups, peer interactive groups. Um, and I think that really helped him a bunch. We did a little bit of alternative back then, the listening therapy that seemed to help his speech. Once we kind of got through the initial, okay, we're GFCF, we, Matt still had some issues with uh, behaviors and hyperactivity and what really helped us. And he still to this day follows this on his own is staying away from the artificials. So we pulled Mm -hmm. out the food dyes, the MSG, the nitrates, 
all that fun stuff that they put in your food so that it has a really great shelf life. <laughs> uh, we went organic. For financial uh, reasons. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, his diet became, you know, very kind of, I would say old school before we were buying prepackaged stuff. So we didn't cook it. He didn't usually eat it. So once we pulled all the junk out, a lot of the hyperactivity kind of just dissipated on its own. We didn't have that anymore. And that was huge for Matt. And even to this day, Matthew uh, knows if I eat that, I will feel bad. So he kind of, he self-monitors and um, you won't, you won't see him reaching for a Coke. Uh, you won't see him, you know, eating some, drinking a bright blue Slurpee. Those are just things he knows makes him feel bad. That was, that was a big thing for, for Matt was, um, just keeping a really clean diet and us driving him to all those traditional kind therapies. of therapies that they have yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that a lot of families have a hard time getting a diagnosis, having maybe, maybe having multiple kids involved, uh, and just different family dynamics, but they have a hard time finding things that they can all do together. Did you experience this in any way? And if so, like what advice would you give to families that are maybe a little bit like, I want to, but I'm afraid to try this outlet or that outlet? I always say reach out to a good friend and sometimes you can mm-hmm. design an, a play date or an event where you have, I used to call it an escape route. <laughs> That's so, so good. Like, if we were having a bad day, a friend that would understand, you know, you're going to get the look and we're going to, we're going to leave. Or I may need, you know, somebody that you're, that you're comfortable saying, I may need a spare room for my child to go decompress in. Mm. So that was something we did a lot when we went to birthday parties, especially if it was a close family member or friend, it was, where can Matthew go when this becomes too overwhelming? And he would take a break and then come back take a break and then come back. I think that's really important. The other thing is um, finding a family event that maybe Taka puts on or another autism organization might put on um, in your area. So this is where we would push our boundaries. So this was where we go to um, maybe it was riding the carousel at South Coast Plaza or um, just some sort of social family day that Taka would put on. That's where I would say, okay, we can push him here because if he melts down, everybody's going to understand. Mm. No, nobody's going to look at us funny. Usually there's somebody not too far who's going to jump in and lend you a hand. So if you have four kids in tow and you have, you know, one melting down, there's, there's going to be another parent there that's, that's going to say, let me help you. Or, or possibly even a ABA therapist that, mm. you know, volunteering their time for the day, who's going to jump in and, and help you out with your other, either your, with either your child who may have the issue, or maybe just might say, you know, I can take your kids over to do that activity while you deal with this. So that's kind of my advice is, you know, enlist your village and, you know, push where you know you can comfortably push without worrying about, you know, having a parent look at you and go, why is your kid why is your kid being a brat? Unfortunately, that's what right. people who don't know say. You won't get that within our community, which is one of the things I love about our events. 
Okay, well, since you kind of perfectly set me up for the next question, can you speak, TACA does a lot of programs and events around the country throughout the year. One of the largest events that TACA does is actually coming up pretty soon, uh, the TACA picnic in Orange County. Can you speak to that, share a little bit about the atmosphere, activities, highlights for this year, and maybe what families can expect from the event? Yeah, I'd love to, actually. The Taka Picnic is honestly my favorite event of the whole year. I wish everybody across the country could come and be be at it because it's that amazing. And I don't know if you know this, but I helped with the very first Taka Picnic. This is our 13th annual. Oh, wow. Um, So the first Taka Picnic in a park actually in almost the same location we're in now, but was in a park with literally like a bounce house and a bubble machine like it was wow. so I don't even know if there was a bounce house there might not have even existed yet but th- there was a bubble machine <laughs> and there was some crafts you do know that there was some crafts it was very very simple and it just continued to, to grow into this amazing amazing event at the Irvine Regional Outdoor Education Center, um, nestled up in the hills in Orange County. And it's this amazing venue. The picnic kind of has the same atmosphere and feel every year, no matter where we're at. It's a fun day for families. Um, It has bounce houses, obstacle courses, uh, sensory-friendly activities for kids. You know, it even has some quiet areas. But this venue that we've switched to last year is, I think it's, well, I don't think it is my favorite. And the reason it's my favorite is as Matt was growing uh, older, he kind of at some point grew out of the picnic and this venue, like even an adult can participate in some of the really cool activities. There's uh, zip lining. Um, yeah, there's zip lining. If you have the stomach for it, there's a, there's one of the new items that we're featuring this year is a rock climbing wall and it's kind of got a path for, for all different levels. There's, you know, a mining program where they can learn about, you know, California history and a little bit about mining for gold, if you want something a little bit more low key. Um, And then what was the gold rush? uh, Yeah, what was the big hit last year, I would say the most popular thing that people just loved was because it can be kind of hot in Southern California at the end of May, is there's an Olympic size swimming pool with 140 foot uh, long water slide. And we kind of had this pool party atmosphere going on and the kids loved it, loved it. Um, And there's two pools. There's a waiting pool for those kids that can't swim. And then there's the big pool for those kids who can. Oh my gosh. Some kids honestly hit the pool and never left it. They, that was what they wanted to do all day long. Uh, In the families, you know, people are picnicking in the beautiful grass and under the trees and you can buy food there or bring your own um, little picnic, bring your cooler. A lot of families brought their cooler, left it in the middle of the field. And when they were ready, they just came back and threw out their blanket and had lunch together. It's just a really, really, yeah, it's a really, really great day where all families with all ages of kids can enjoy. And I love it. I, I love to see our kids being themselves and enjoying themselves and our parents kind of letting their hair down and, and our parents enjoying watching their kids have a great day. That's, I think, 
what I love the most about it. That's amazing. It's going to be a great day. Can you give us the dates and where they can go to learn more and register? Sure. It is um, on a Sunday, May 22nd. If you go to um, www.takanow.org backslash events, a list of our events will come up that are coming up and the picnics on that, that May 22nd, you just click on that link and that'll take you into all the information that the picnic, um, that you need to go to the picnic. It will, it has the ticketing prices. It has the date, time, location. It talks about each individual event and kind of there's certain age requirements and weight requirements for certain activities. Okay. Um, so it'll give you all that information you need to to kind of plan your day with your family. Okay. That's perfect. Well, I will definitely also include that in the show notes for families to be able to go and click through, but just in case they can't get to those on their phone or whatever, they'll have that information. Okay. One, one last kind of general question. And then I want to close out uh, with a few other things, but there are a lot of listeners out there who are younger and their kids are young And I know that they probably listen to this and they're like, congratulations, Tracy. We're so happy for you. But there's probably like this little bit of thing where they're like, I'm, I'm in the throes of it all and I'm Mm -hmm. feeling stressed and I'm feeling overwhelmed. What would just be like one thing that you could say to encourage them just to keep going? This is, this is hard, but I'm going to say break it down. I I think I I understand that feeling. Sometimes I would drive away from a conference. There would be the initial, I'm so excited. And then reality would set in of the Mm -hmm. 50, the 50 things I learned and how was I going to incorporate? Yes. Incorporate them all. And I would have this overwhelming feeling of panic that would come right after. And the one thing that, that a couple of moms taught me early on in the journey was go ahead and write it all down, like get it all out of your head. Everything that you want to try for your kid, what do you want to try? And then just circle the top, whatever you can deal with, whether it's the top two, the top five, I always limited it to five. I never circled more than five. So I would circle the five things that I thought I I want to try this, or I want to institute this when you make your list a little smaller, (laughs) it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And, Mm -hmm. and then once you've tried those five things, then you circle the next five things Mm -hmm. and it just kind of helps you feel sane. Mm -hmm. Um, And remember that, that every journey is different. I used to be amazed by those moms who would come with their notebooks with all the tabbies and like they were so organized and I was in the I like to call it the Nike the Nike way I just did it I was in the, you know what? I'm just gonna do it and I wasn't very organized and I wasn't you know I wasn't really on top of it I hate to admit that but I just wasn't and in my head I would just be like I'll just do it I'll worry about the I'll worry about the data collection later and yeah. um I I just didn't stress about the little things. I just dove in. I dove in. I just did it. And then I sat back and watched my child. And, and as he got better, I said, that worked. I can't prove it on paper, but I can see it worked. And there you go. <laughs> and the feedback I got from other parents would be like, what are you doing? You know? So, um, so that would be my advice. Break it, 
break it down break it into down. smaller, break it down into smaller sections and it won't feel so overwhelming. There's that quote, how do you eat an elephant? I've never heard that one. You've never heard this? How do you eat no. an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. That's awesome. That is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So it might feel like you have, you know, this enormous thing, but if you break it down, like Tracy's saying, it becomes manageable, it becomes exactly. doable. Exactly. Um, okay. So we'll close out with these two questions. Um, okay. First question is, what are two TACA resources that you would just encourage families to get their hands on? Um, oh, I'm staring at it right now. Uh, the journey guide, the TACA journey guide. So um, I love the journey guide. I'm actually rereading it right now. Uh, my journey guide was a three ring binder with photocopies in it. Uh, <laughs> I had the, the old school, the old school journey guide. I wish I still had it, but that was my version. Um, and these lovely blueprints that they put in the journey guides didn't exist back in my day. And so I would say, get a journey guide. It is not to like offend anybody, but to me, it's the autism parents Bible. Okay. Um, yeah. So keep that. And I keep them in my car and I give them away as much as I can. Um, and then the other thing would be, if you can, if, if you're in an area, I really, really recommend going to a meeting or a coffee talk. And um, there's a lot of, there was a lot of times that I simply joined a webinar or got on the website to get the information that I need. And I love that. And I love that for people who are in areas that can't necessarily um, be where we are, but nothing beats the knowledge of the parents that are at our meetings. These parents really, really, you can say, I have this issue and chances are you're going to find somebody in the room who's had the same issue and has already been mm -hmm. where you've been and has done the research. So why not use, the, why not use their reading that they already did right. and their, and their resources that they've already found. You just saved yourself a ton of time. So if you can get to a meeting of some sort, I, I, I really, really encourage it. That's really an important piece of advice. Don't try and recreate the will when you have somebody who has already created it. Correct. And you can get that in a, and you can get that in a mentor as well. So if, Oh, that's a good, if you, if you don't have a meeting near you, cause I know that'll be probably the feedback we'll get. Well, the closest meeting is, you know, five hours away or we're the not in our state. You can apply for a mentor anywhere in the country. So good advice. Uh, mm -hmm. Good advice. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put that link for uh, applying for a mentor as well uh, in the show notes, but awesome. Okay. So wrapping up, mm -hmm. you have been so valuable. I hope that everybody has enjoyed this. I know that I have um, your valuable insight and just your life experience and you being able to stay in the community and share. And like you said, you are looking at autism in the rearview mirror, but you're still in it because this is your village. So thank you for that. And thank you for sticking around and, and helping and serving with Chaka. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you are encouraged and feel equipped to take the next steps in your own journey after listening to Tracy. Here at Taka, we just love being able to resource families no matter how long they've been on the autism road. For more information and for more resources, please visit our website 
for articles, encouragement, and details about treatments, diet, and the latest research. And if you're a parent, like Tracy mentioned, looking at autism through the rearview mirror, please consider jumping back into the community in a new way to give back, either as a mentor, a supporter, or a volunteer in your local chapter. Those who are walking the road that you have will be forever changed by your generosity. Well, that's all we have for this week. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you don't miss our next episode. Until then, stay encouraged and keep taking it one step at a time.